sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Recorded live and in person from separate places on the planet by me, Nate Larkin, your um, favorite host, and Aaron Porter, your other favorite host. Aaron, uh, how are you doing, man? Not as well as you are doing. Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I, I just came off a two-week vacation, family vacation that was just off the charts. Wonderful. I had some Zoom conversations with that background. What the heck? Where were you exactly? <laughs> oh, that was really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We were at a beautiful cabin in the uh, mountains of Western North Carolina near Highlands, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, lucked into this family cabin, uh, you know, obviously owned by a, a, a loving, connected, you know, family-oriented family with lots of kids, intergenerational things. So it's a big old cabin that was full of toys and amusements. So we were there with kids and grandkids. And there was a vast uh, deck with a fire pit. Uh, a stream running through the backyard, a tire swing, a screened porch with rocking chairs and, uh, and a hammock, a big kitchen and dining area. And then downstairs, a game room with a pool table, a video arcade, a working Wurlitzer jukebox Ooh. full of uh, 60s and 70s hits, uh, 80s hits. And uh, and then a home theater, a media room with theater seating and widescreen TV. I'm all for far less than we would have paid to go to a hotel. It was amazing. I, it was God's Jeez. provision. God's That's, provision. That sounds amazing. And all we had to do was negotiate terrifying mountain roads along the edges of gorges to get to it. Uh, <laughs> Allie had her heart in her throat uh, the whole time. But that was the, you know, the only scary part was getting there. Once you got there, it was phenomenal. That sounds great. So you feel refreshed and relaxed. I really that's, do. That's a lot of time with the grandkids. Did that, uh, that wear you out? Are you happy that they're grandkids and not little children <laughs> in the house? Yeah. You know what? There was not, it's amazing. We had that many kids. Well, we we got cousins together. These are kids who don't get to see each other except once or twice a year. And they kept each other so well occupied and so well amused that there, uh, there wasn't an argument. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, no, no, we just had fun. And I, I, Allie and I were sad to see them go. We actually were there for a couple days after everybody had left. And we're in this enormous house looking at each other going, you know, what do we, what do we, what do we do now? You know. So wow. No, so so wonderful. are you all up on your pool? Are we going to hit the bungonut pig? One thing I do know, I suck at the game of billiards. I'm just terrible. My son Daniel is a shark. I didn't know this. This is a skill uh, that he acquired uh, sometime during his teens and twenties when he wasn't reporting in very regularly. Uh, it's amazing how good he is on a pool table. The first game we played, he sunk every one of his balls before I had sunk a single one. Nice. Yeah. After that, he gave me two shots for every one of his, and he still beat me. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, I love yeah. it. I'm glad that you got some time. We're going to be talking a little about balance uh, today with our yeah. guest. And yeah. uh, that is that is just I'm, one of those I, things that seems obvious when we talk about, but rarely do I find the person who does it well. You know, I needed it, and I didn't know that I needed it. You know, we played. One of the things I did was I bought a dozen Nerf guns and 500 rounds of ammunition. And uh, we had Nerf battles around the cabin and around the property. I haven't played like that in years. It was so much fun. It uh, is, that's great. It's it's nice to know that you can still have that that childish fun. You yeah. don't have to stop as an adult. Mm. And I, I felt a little guilty because I dropped everything. I, I forgot that Samson existed. I did one newcomer meeting while I was there. Aside from that, I mean, I, I, I wasn't looking at Slack. I, I wasn't checking in. Uh, and from time to time, I felt these twinges of guilt that, you know, uh, I wasn't working. But I needed, I guess I needed it. I guess I needed it. Do you know my favorite old guy fun time was when I was a pastor in San Luis? Mm-hmm. Remember the camp we did the retreat at, jeez, uh, a dozen yeah. years ago? And sure, I do, had, yeah. It had the concrete amphitheater seating looking out on the big green grass baseball field. Yeah. So I, I had a men's retreat and had mixed the big college group and just all the men. And the older guys, I brought them, I don't know, six or so paintball guns and then set up some trash cans and... There was a trash can in the middle and then some barriers around the grass. And the college guys had to try to run and put balls into the middle trash can while the old guys just sat up on the, uh, on the seating and shot them to the paintballs. <laughs> it was great. The old guys loved it. <laughs> and the college guys wanted to prove they could do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that was just a, that was that was glorious fun. Can we do that in Eva? Can we get some college guys <laughs> to shoot at? Oh, I wonder. Oh, gosh. I don't, we can't do paintballs, but we probably could do Nerf guns. I've got a pretty, uh, I've got a pretty uh, good arsenal right now. Anyway. Well, you can bring them, but I have to say at least half the joy was hearing the college guys scream when they'd get hit. Because oh, I, did, I didn't bring proper safety equipment for them <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, that's awful. They, they were running on pure pride. Yeah. And pride is not a buffer for pain. Yeah. So meanwhile, while I am off recreating and rejuvenating, uh, you were working hard and dealing with family drama and all kinds of stuff. How, how, how are you faring, my brother? I, I'll give you my highlight. Okay. Uh, uh, my highlight are some conversations with son Samuel who mm-hmm. moved away. Yeah. Which, by, by the way, this is crazy. I get a call from him, and there was a shooting in Templeton, where he lives, where the church was that I passed. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you heard about that. I did hear there was a shooting in Templeton, yes. Okay. That was 30 feet from my son's trailer. Oh, no. So the guy runs through the vineyards, ends up in the cemetery, which the fence to this historic cemetery is 30 feet from his trailer. And then that's right next to this big barn where the man that he lives at, who is one of the Weatherby sons from Weatherby Guns, Mm -hmm. he's a blacksmith there. 
and he's in there working. But he happens to be not in his main office area, but working on a go-kart. When all of a sudden the shooting starts happening, and there are bullets flying through there. A bullet went through the wall, through his office chair, and out the other wall. Wow. He just didn't happen to be sitting in his office chair. Uh, and, like, it was crazy. You just, you know, these are things you see on the news, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's rarely uh, quite that close to home. Wow. And How I'm, is our boy Samuel doing? He's doing great. Yeah? Super proud of him. He is, uh, he's working as a butcher, and he just keeps climbing the ladder of butchery. He's getting to chop up new things and <laughs> new tasks. Anyways, the highlight is uh, working out the plans for him to come home for Christmas. This is my my first chance to just look forward to a kid from out of town coming home. Yeah. So wow. it's it may be a couple months away, but we're we've already been working on the guest room for him. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. So. And we'll we'll miss Samuel at the retreat this year. This will be the the first time in three years that he won't be with us. I think. Although I told him about the virtual one, and uh -huh. so he is going to try to get six or so of his friends to get together in one spot and do the retreat together. Oh, fantastic! That's awesome. That's awesome. And I I still just, I, I know that complicates our logistics a little bit, but I still think that's such a cool thing that guys can do, even if they have two or three friends. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, let's not leave our listeners uh, waiting any longer for the promised guest. Uh, we love this woman. We're thrilled she's back. We'll be back in a second on the Pirate Monk Podcast. There is a joy. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast, and I am so pleased to say that our favorite guest is back. K.K. Ray is joining us again. Hi, K.K. Hey, guys. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> I love being your favorite guest more than you will know, especially in this depleted state that my brain is in. I need some affirmation, but it's definitely um, mutual. Y'all are my favorite, favorite people to work with. Okay, where, where are you from originally? Because every time I hear that deep southern drawl, I, I got to know, where where did it come from? What's the source? Well, it's a twang. You're just being nice. It's, <laughs> it's Arkansas <laughs> twang is what it is. And there may be a little bit of Texas mixed in there because my, my dad is from Texas, but mostly just central Arkansas twang. All right. I, I really want to delve into that, but that is not the topic. But to this Cal to this California boy, I really didn't know there was a difference between a twang and a drawl. But uh, I believe you. 
Yes, definitely. All right. Well, KK Ray, in addition to being a uh, licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified neurotherapist, uh, uh, is also the principal owner of Tennessee Neurofeedback, which, by the way, is sponsoring the workshops at the upcoming fall retreat, the Samson Retreat. But uh, COVID kind of really kicked uh, your business and your private practice sideways, didn't it, KK? You know, I'm I'm grateful on the one hand um, because we're we're still in business. We have jobs, but um, sideways in that it's just a whole different ball game. And I'm kind of a chicken with COVID, to tell you the truth. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm only doing remote, but we are um, seeing people at Tennessee Neurofeedback more than ever. Um, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can, wow. can I, can I ask about your, your chicken hood? Yes, for sure. Uh, that, that seems like such a dangerous thing. Like there are angry people on both sides. The, the chickens get angry at the non-chickens, the non-chickens mock the chickens so being a person who's so thoughtful about your own inner landscape, yeah. what, what has been your progression through both deciding certain things yeah. and having to deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And, and I, I would beg anybody that hears my story or hears me say I'm a chicken um, to please practice non-judgment because, because it really is something that um, is so polarizing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that polarization, as y'all know, takes so much energy. Um, and none of us have extra to, to give out. But my personal story is that right before COVID, um, we went on a trip and took our kids out to Jackson Hole. And I got, I got literally deathly sick and thought I had COVID. Um, uh, it turns out it wasn't. I, I don't have the antibodies. But, um, but it really, really scared me on my ability. Uh, just my respiratory system would not kick it. So I, was, mm-hmm. I never got out of bed the whole time we were in Wyoming. And then literally to, to go and, and then fly home. Thankfully, we had masks and things so I was able to fly we thought we might have to drive but my fever broke so um and it took me about six weeks after that to get back to normal so by then COVID had hit and I just made the decision that I was gonna um do zoom or FaceTime for uh you know till we had a, a rapid test and a vaccine just because I didn't I'm really not convinced I could survive it um I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Does that sound offensive? No, not at all. No, not at all. No. Anyone that's offended by that can can go click stop and kiss their own buttocks. Yeah, so, so I don't have, I mean, you know, I, I, I do believe that we should wear masks. I mean, I think the science proves that out. I think that's the humane, humane thing to do to protect ourselves and others. But beyond that, I'm not really trying to make any kind of statements. With your practice, dealing with people that are struggling uh, just in lots of aspects of life, relationally, with depression, uh, just with how their brains are working, how do you see the extreme polarization, not just of COVID, but with politics lately and with... What? uh, What? Polarization in politics? Whatever are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So we've got so many areas of polarization. How do you see that 
in your affecting your clients? You know, it, it, it just boils down to the brain has just so much power. If you think of a battery um, and, and you, you, you leave the flashlight on too long, it browns out. And when, when we get into a browned out state of battery power of our brain power, then we start to get a little crazy, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and our uh, ability to cope, our ability to find pleasure, um, our ability to stay connected to other humans, it just gets really diminished. So, so my, my thing is if we can, if we can practice non-judgment as much as possible and, and, and really, um, uh, you know, find our safe people that we, we can banter with, but not fight with, um, figure out what we're thinking and feeling, but man, it's just such a depletion when everything has to be a fight and it actually feeds on itself. Once you're in that, you know, in that loop of depletion and you're fighting, it's, it's just like, that's all, you know, your brain knows to do is just keep on fighting. And so I think, I think that, you know, regardless of where you fall out on, on, you know, the politics, polarization, whatever, it, it is, is so depleting. And, and honestly, it's depleting to even be around that level of energy. If you're not in the fight, but you're around somebody that's fighting, you're going to pick up on that energy and get depleted too. So you kind of got to pick your, pick your places and people. I find yeah. a good solution is just to listen to AM radio nonstop every day. And, and then you'll find yourself encouraged and in a good talk radio? place. Yeah, just, just a lot of talk radio. I, yeah. I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I encourage good. people to do. I don't know about you. That would not be my top pick. <laughs> Let me ask you about something, KK. A lot of our life since COVID has moved online. Yeah. Uh, Samson has moved online. Uh, I spend, golly, I don't know how how many hours today I have spent in front of this screen, mm-hmm. uh, in and out of multiple meetings, um, but with precious little face-to-face. Actually, today, oh, with the exception of a, a meeting I had with Tom Mocha, no face-to-face, and time with Allie, no face-to-face uh, contact with anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of us in Samson have gotten into deep trouble online yeah. in times past. Yeah. Now uh, we're forced online just to live there. I'm wondering what what do you think are the long term risks, and what kind of preventive steps might we be taking to protect ourselves? I mean, now you're doing therapy uh, online. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful, by the way, that telehealth is available. Allie's still been able to see her doctors, even though we mm-hmm. can't go to a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And the technology is good enough that you can read faces and. But do you see your work as a therapist impacted? Do you see the lives of the folks that you're working with impacted? What are your thoughts on this transition to living so much online? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think I don't think we can argue the point that it's extremely isolating. And yeah. you know, I think that I think that we have to up our game on intentionality. Um, the plus side is that that we can still have contact. 
right? So we're not totally shut off. But but I think for at least for me, the fatigue is real of being online. I think you have to concentrate harder. You have to, you know, you you can't zone out. You know, if you're in a meeting in person, you can you can zone up and zone out and pick up on on things and catch up. But but what I hear more than anything is just the fatigue from it, and then obviously the loneliness, um, the isolation. Um, I think I think at first it was it was you know a cool like summer camp. We all got to do something different, and um, but but I really I really think where we get in trouble the most, and and y'all can weigh in on this, um, is is when we are fatigued, and then we start to you know get into the the you know the the need for dopamine, a dopamine hit to feel a little bit better or that you might get um, from having lunch face to face with somebody can, can move you into some, some dark places quickly without you ever even recognize that they're coming. Um, so I think, I think we have to up our, up our self care, up our intentionality on what does make us feel alive? What makes us feel good? What level of connections did I have before that I can, you know, match at some in some way? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I have heard the term Nate, Zoom fatigue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, which, what which have you seen with the guys with the guys you've been talking to in virtual meetings and walking with? How have you seen it kind of change as far as their their feelings and attitudes? Well, you know, the one thing that strikes me in the meetings that I attend, and I do an awful lot of newcomer meetings, so I'm meeting a lot of, you know, new guys doing intake. Uh, first of all, you know, we hear different versions of the same story week after week. Mm-hmm. And everybody coming into Samson, uh, if, if there's a, if there's a porn issue, and most of them are porn or some sex-related deal, um, you know, they got deep in the weeds in isolation. Right, right. Now, here's an interesting uh, thing that we've just started to notice. So we have these online meetings, right? Uh, we're using Zoom technology where guys can meet. So I do, I, we, and we have a newcomer meeting every day of the week. So we're constantly bringing new guys in. Now, in addition to the meetings, we also have um, online conversations through Slack. Yes. So our guys can connect through Slack. And what I've been doing now for the past few months is I've been explaining to the newcomers that although guys in virtual meetings can't go to a meeting after the meeting, the way guys, my local guys in Franklin can go to McCreary's after the local meeting, that the uh, that Slack has served as the meeting after the meeting for Samson guys. And the conversations are going 24-7 in Slack. It's very, very busy. But here's what we, I was not aware of this, but one of the guys who was paying attention picked up on it and started one of our meeting hosts and did a little investigation. It's amazing how many of our newcomers, uh, they come to the newcomer meeting, they like it, they get excited, they're introduced to Slack, they join Slack, and participate in Slack, but never go to a meeting. Interesting. Um, now, Slack doesn't have video. And you're not necessarily, you're not getting to know people to the right. degree that you're getting to know them in a meeting. 
but for but but it's a very very tempting alternative i can tell myself that i'm actually getting into relationship or i'm into a community when i've joined this vast chat room but because i i'm not in a meeting and i don't have a silas and i'm not you know i'm not stepping into relationship and using yeah. all the tools that are available for it Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how much we're actually helping the newcomers who ha- who are not part of a meeting. And one of the things I've decided to do is I'm no I'm not even going to tell newcomers about Slack anymore. Let them find out about it when they go to a meeting. You know, yeah, I, now, go, go ahead. Uh, sorry, you go ahead. Um, I, well, I was just going to say I, I'll I'll put an exclamation point on that and challenge uh, the people that are using Slack to make sure you're not talking at people that you're really talking to someone um, because I think many times it's just a good place to vomit and never have to, I'm not saying that about your slack. I'm just saying right, yeah. in texting. I mean, I think, I think, and it's a skill that we have to, we have to use when you're, you know, learning to connect with people is to be curious and, mm-hmm. and, and really make sure that the conversation is balanced. And that's, that's one thing that we, we sometimes lose, um, uh, from trauma, uh, we never grow up, you know, because there's trauma. Yeah. So we're never taught that a conversation needs to be balanced, that it doesn't need to always be about you, that you need to be curious about other people. And in that curiosity, one thing I've found, and I've got to do some brain research on this, but if we can kick in our brain to be curious about other human beings, it actually moves us away from um, negative emotion. And yeah. so, so I think that that I think Slack's awesome. And I remember the guys at the retreat last year just being so excited to stay in contact with their buddies, which is awesome. But but I think add the curiosity factor and talk to and not at. Mm-hmm. I I want to say a potential insight and then ask a question about curiosity because I think curiosity is one of the least talked about skills to enjoy life and relationships. Um, when I'm, I'm picturing times I'm sitting with guys that maybe I don't know as well. They aren't close friends. Mm-hmm. If they start talking about issues, so they're, they're soapboxing their opinions about something, mm-hmm. I lose my curiosity almost immediately. And the only engagement that I want to give is either a counterpoint or I just want to shut down and wait until they're all done. Mm -hmm. But when people are talking about their personal experience with something, then it starts to arouse that curiosity. So on, on the one side, I think there's a skill to draw people into our stories. Um, But then the other part that I would ask you is, how does someone who has never considered that before develop a healthier curiosity of the people in their lives? Yeah. The first thing you do is you ask yourself, has everybody that I'm talking to right now talked more than me? So the mm-hmm. first, the first thing you got to do is just make sure you're not talking too much because that usually clears it up. <laughs> when you see somebody doing that issue thing or you know it's all it's it's literally all about them if if they can switch to measuring how much they're talking that's the easy thing then the second okay, thing, well, 
No, go ahead. Can we pause on that? Because that yeah. I'm imme- I'm immediately thinking of a couple people I know that would straight up say, "I know I I'm talking too much. I just can't stop." Yeah. So if a person thinks about it and says, oh my gosh, I have just occupied like 85% of the verbal space, but they, right. they can't figure out how to rein it in. Or when they stop talking, they're literally like watching a jump rope for that spot where they can jump back in and take <laughs> over the center. And you just see it on their face. <laughs> That's a great image. Then they go home and they have so much shame. I think there's too so much. They go home, they have too much same. And then the other ones, I always wonder, did, you know, if you, if you saw, ran into that person, well, how, the, how is that person doing? And then you have to say, I don't know. I didn't ask them, you know, yeah. it's like, holy cow, you talked. To, but, but the second part is to, to go to the question of why do I feel like I need to fill up all that space, that verbal space, as you're saying. And, mm-hmm. and many times, it's a younger, a younger part of you. And I'm going to talk about this at the um, retreat about how many of our, many times our younger parts that have been traumatized. So my, my theory is that, you know, if you, you had trauma at six years old and, 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 and guys, my assumption is, 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 you know, this addiction thing is just a, a response to trauma. And I want, mm-hmm. I want your, you know, you guys that are listening to hear that, that's the great news because we can heal the trauma. Let's not treat the addiction. Let's heal the trauma. But anyway, that's the soapbox. Um, the the thing that I want to say is this, these younger parts that had trauma, you know, if you were traumatized at six years old, there's a there's a six-year-old in you that that jumps into the driver's seat of the bus often. And many times when you, you meet somebody that talks at you incessantly, that's a younger part that is needing affirmation of some kind. And, and a lot of times what you see is they might have been celebrated for having some knowledge at a younger age. And that's their only way of knowing how to get affirmation. You know, they were invisible as a child and finally have space to be heard. And so when we can heal those, if we can heal those younger parts, then it becomes much less attractive to take up all that airspace. That makes sense. Mm. So step one for the person that feels like it's just out of control, that anytime they're at a dinner party, they can't figure out how to shut up. The mm-hmm. first step is really to ask that why and, mm-hmm. and, and give some space, not just for the shame, man, you are just so lame. You can't shut up, but okay, there's a reason for this. That is not the best way to get what I'm after. Um, yeah but I'm going to have some compassion for why I'm doing it. And, and is it, is it okay to ask for help? Like to, well, if you're I, in a, I was going to yeah. throw that in, you know, I think David and I took our marriage to the next level when he allowed me to kick him under the table and I allowed him to give me the, you know, the throat cut uh-huh. enough. And, and when you can begin to trust that that person that gives you a signal has your best interest at heart, you know, um, and you, you, you give them permission to tell you, you know, if I'm talking too much, kick me under the table or give me the signal. If I've said too much, it really, if, if, if you can trust that person and don't feel, uh, and, and can, can keep from going to shame with that, 
then you, you can walk away from any conversation and not have shame if they're with you because you know they've guarded you. Does that make sense? It totally yeah. does. And it doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be a guy that you're in a Samson group with that you are at a meeting after the meeting every week. You can trust him with that. And yeah. I, I think I love that because I can still remember a very specific time when I got done with a dinner party with another couple and my wife. And afterwards, she said, you just talked so much. It was so uncomfortable. And I felt like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do about it now? Why, uh-huh. don't, you, why don't you give me a signal? Now I just feel bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can give that person permission to let you know, it's, that's a real loving, but it's a, it takes a lot of courage because, you know, the first thing you want to do is, is curl up in a ball and be ashamed. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I certainly know that shame, and I certainly have been guilty of you know monopolizing, and 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 I was I was just too naive at the time and too deep into my own addiction to even think uh, what my reasons for all that talking might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um. <clears throat> Are you seeing any uh, disturbing trends in the folks you're talking with now? Does there seem to be uh, – are are people – you know, do you sense that as a society our incidence of addiction is going higher or anxiety is having a long-term corrosive effect? Does there seem to be a rising rate of depression? I know this isn't scientific, but do you have kind of a – yeah, uh, yeah. And, and KK, can you please, uh, when you're talking about disturbing trends, uh, give us some specifics about which clients you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> By name, is that? Is that yeah, that's, that's I, I just thought it'd be more personal. We like to be personal and honest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about if I, how about if I make it just about me? No. Okay, there you go. No, but um, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, I think that you know I tell people back in '08 when we had the financial crisis that that I changed kind of the the normal range of what anxiety would be, um, and and now I, I changed it again just from you know, the political climate and then COVID hit. And so what I would say is that everything, um, everybody is anxious. Make no mistake. It, you're not alone. You yeah. know? Um, and, and so um, anytime there's, there's anxiety, there's also depression, you know, depression happens after your brain has been anxious for too long and then it just starts to shut down. And with that, you know, comes the low power. And with that comes the need to feel better, which is, you know, the dopamine hit and the reason that we see the rise in addiction and, um, you know, suicide ideation, child abuse, you name it, everything's through the roof. And so the answer is we, we're, we're, you know, we're in a, in a period that is worse than the, 08 crisis when when I did that but I did hear a term if you haven't listened to Brene Brown's podcast from last week she uh, cited an article and did a great job on going through it but the the um, the term this writer used um, 
and I'll, I'll send y'all the link and maybe y'all can put it up on the website, but um, it's, it's called Surge Capacity. And, and, mm. and where we all are is we've passed our surge capacity. You know, at six months, you can, you can usually run off adrenaline for a while and then, you know, the adrenaline wears out and, and, and you're, you're past the point of what your, your body, you can require of your body and brain. And I think that's where we are. She, Brene kind of described it as, you know, being in, in a hurricane and still doing the, and, and starting the cleanup, but the, the hurricane's still going on. You know, it's something that mm-hmm. should pass, but it's the crisis is, is ongoing. And so, so we have to, so we have to really, first of all, admit um, that we don't feel good. And, you know, that's, that's a really good place for connection with other people. Um, and it's scary to say that because you feel like you are alone in it. Like I, as I was listening to her podcast, I was thinking, well, you know, I'm a therapist. I'm not supposed to run out of capacity. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to be helping other people. And, and, you know, I, I hit the wall week before last and I thought if I, if I had one day without a meltdown, it would have been awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and and then and you know, so so we have to admit it, and then we have to find things and people that bring us that that feel good, um, not the, you know, not the. And Brene describes this so well. She said it's not like drinking a coke or eating a dessert where you get the sugar high. That's the porn hit. You know, right. we have to find something that's more like she calls it a green smoothie. That, that that is good for us, but it lasts a little while. And that that's human connection, you know, whether it's online or um, in a meeting or in person. Um, yeah. And also she, she, her research would show that we need to identify things that, that uh, bring us fun play. And, and mm-hmm. that, that's, that's, you know, time that we spend with no agenda except to have fun. What? And you mean not focusing on addiction and fixing ourselves and trauma? Exactly. Pre- preach it, sister. Preach it. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it wears you the hell out, if, especially if you're focused on that for too long. We're already focused on it, you know, and right. to add to it. So so I think, you know, for me, it was it was really good to hear her call that out because you have to think about what do you have fun at that requires no agenda, you know, yeah, that and, that that is. You just said something really important. I think I stopped you in the middle of a sentence. No, no, no. Go ahead. You you saying we're already focused on it. So I mean, you see this with guys that get into recovery at the beginning of their recovery, like the world revolves around that. So we're always focused on our issues, but there is healthy focus and unhealthy focus. And probably the two big components of this healthy life is learning how to have a healthy focus on the issues we're trying to grow through. And the other side is to have balance so that we're not even simply having full-time healthy focus, which is then unhealthy focus. So healthy focus plus balance is going to probably see healing just Mm -hmm. infinitely faster. 
I agree with that. And one way to figure that out, I think, and y'all, y'all tell me what you think is if you can look at the motivation for it and if it's fear based that's driving it is, is it fear that's driving you to hyper-focus on your addiction or your recovery? Then it's probably not that healthy or balanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, by the way, this is a, this insight and this issue is going to be teased out in two of the workshops uh, at the upcoming retreat. Aaron is doing one called don't try. So stop trying so hard. Working through the, uh, <laughs> and uh, Andy Gullihorn is going to do one called The Spiritual Discipline of the High Five, uh, where he's, he's going to be coming at some of this same truth from a different angle. What are the, what are the soft skills and what – it's amazing uh, you know, how much Andy has gained in his recovery from things like playing disc golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I – I wish that uh, somebody had told me about this early in recovery because I think I I do know that as exciting as recovery was during those early years, there were times when I was so hyper focused on it that I certainly exhausted my surge capacity mm-hmm. and set myself up for relapse, mm-hmm. and then didn't know what to do once relapse had happened, except to go back to my old coping skills, which dug me deeper into shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Hey, hey can I, I, I want to loop back to something else you said, KK, okay. uh, because I think it's important and confusing. Uh, you talked about anxiety and depression as two different things. And I think that that's hard for most of us to figure out when we're in the moment. But when we're feeling depressed, when there's more hopelessness, uh, but we're trying to deal with it as if it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't work quite right. Can you just touch on, I mean, obviously huge topic, not fit for a sound bite, but yeah. is there anything you can give to help people understand? Nope, not the same thing. And it's important for me to see the difference. Yeah. There, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a hard one. I even recently saw an, some new research that they're able to, find different proteins in the blood uh, to, to determine if what, you know, the chicken or the egg, is it, is it um, depression or is it anxiety? But um, I think innately, you, you know, um, and, and everybody's, the way those, those um, depletions, it's what I would call them of anxiety and depression. Both of them are a dysregulated brain from, from stress and, um, I would, uh, I would say, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to be real careful here because I don't want, I, I want you, I want you to feel hopeful if that there, you, you can treat them either way, either one. And, and we can, we can, we can treat them different ways. We can, we can give you assignments and, and activities to make you feel better and they show up in everybody differently. So a man may be really, really mad all the time. Guess what? His brain is depressed. We don't need to treat anger. But I don't think I'm answering your question. I think I'm I'm off in la la land on it. But I think that that the brain goes kind of from regulated. If you look at a continuum, regulated to anxious, and that anxiety takes a lot of energy. 
And then once the brain has been anxious for too long, it says, okay, we're going to shut down everything. And, and that's when depression kicks in. And, and, and we're going to conserve all of our energy for other things like your heart beating or breathing and, you know, non-conscious things, bodily things. And so that's why people mm-hmm. stay in bed for, for months because they don't have the energy. Their brain is depressed. Did I answer even close to that question? It was awesome. It was the best answer I've ever heard in my life, except for Jesus. <laughs> we might have to edit that out. but No, we don't edit. We don't edit. It's one rule of the Pirate Monk podcast. We don't edit. <laughs> it, was, it was good. What you said was great, KK. It, 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 is, a, it is a huge topic. Um, and I, I think it's just just the fact that you're differentiating the two can be at least helpful for people to ask the question, Hey, what am I experiencing right now? Well, the other um, thing is am we, I- can, we can now map it. I mean, you know, I, a plug for Tennessee neurofeedback is that we can look at your brain through an EEG and, and tell you, is your brain anxious or depressed? And honestly, it really feels good for people that are having some kind of symptomology to see in black and white, that it's not a character flaw. You know, yeah. you're not lazy or you're not, you know, flipping your lid all the time just because you're a because you're a bad person. It's that, that you've got some dysregulation in your brain. And that is helpful. Yeah. And yeah. I and, yeah. and just the fact that you said for guys, I mean, I've found with folks I've worked with, men really do hit that angry point because they feel so hopeless, which is such mm-hmm. a mark of depression. Yeah. And so they're just furious at every little thing because every little thing speaks that false narrative that there's no hope. This is your life. You know, it's painful. I I tell people when you're in that state, if you, if you stump your toe, it feels like you've shattered your femur and the people around you are going, well, hell you just stumped your toe. What's the big deal? But it's that painful. You're not making it up. And, yeah. and so, it, yeah, it's really helpful to have that normalized. Yeah. Well, KK, I am thrilled. Uh, we all are that you're, you, you are coming back. You are our first uh, woman presenter ever at a Samson retreat last year. And you're back uh, by popular demand this year. And you're going to be live at the in-person retreat in Eva, Tennessee, and on the virtual retreat two weeks later. Yeah. To uh, and that's really how you operate best, isn't it? You like to be able to interact with an yeah. audience. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I, I, what I'm going to be talking about is um, this this idea that that we're we're repeating trauma, you know, as a as a addiction, as a labeled as an addiction, but really how that is just trauma repetition. And and what I love the most is if everybody that came had a question and all we did was Q&A, not that I'm going to have all the answers, but it's my favorite way to do it. So, so please bring the questions, even, you know, send them ahead of time um, for what you want to hear. But basically that's the skeleton is, is to, to really figure out, um, we're going to figure out what parts of, you know, those younger parts that were traumatized and how that we're reenacting those, those traumas, the brain wants to reenact it. So that's kind of going to be the subject of the, of the workshop. 
Awesome. And you're also bringing some staff with you so that a, a limited number of guys, really a very limited number of guys, I think up to 10, uh, will be available if they want to have actually the brain mapping done on site while they're there in EVA, that's going to be a possibility. That's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Think, Nick, um, Nate, I think you're sending out an email and you can just um, email us. Anybody can email us directly and sign up for that. And, um, and we're, we're thrilled um, to partner with you guys. It's, it's just such a gift. And, and I just want to say thank you that, um, you know, it was definitely the highlight of my year last year being um, with y'all. So I'm just, I'm just very grateful to get to, to do that again. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for taking time this evening to talk to Aaron and me. I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's only uh, tomorrow will be a, a month from the start of the retreat. I don't know when our listeners are actually downloading and listening to this episode, but we're recording it on the 5th of October, 2020. And on the 6th of November, 2020, we will meet at the Lakeshore Retreat and Conference Center in Eva, Tennessee, to have a wonderful uh a healing time. All right. Well, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Desperate for changing, starving for truth. Closer to where I started, we're chasing after you. I'm falling even more in love with you. Letting go of all I've held on to I'm standing here until you make me move I'm hanging by a moment here with you Forgetting all I'm lacking Completely incomplete I'll take your invitation Take all of me And we are back on the Pirate Bunk Podcast. If that doesn't get you psyched to uh, grab some friends and be a part of listening to KK do her thing, I don't know what's going to inspire you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to say that after last year's retreat, the you know, I did a workshop, you did a workshop, Tom Ryan did a workshop, there was some other stuff that happened, uh, but... I heard more conversation, more grateful uh, conversation about what KK had to bring than about the rest of us. And I'm quite certain that she'll match that this year. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I am I am needing that. I mean, we talk about you got to have your away time. I am needing this weekend for myself. So it cannot come soon enough. There you go. There you go. Uh, Well, in the meantime... We always do love to hear from our listeners. Uh, we've gotten a few guest suggestions in that we're pursuing. We'd love your your comments, your suggestions, your questions. Uh, and you can reach us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. 
Any other business we need to transact here, Aaron, no, before we sign off? You're back in town, so we can expect to be uh, chatting again next week, talking to somebody. Is, is this true? Yep, yep. I, I'll, I'll scrounge up a guest somewhere. Yeah, we will. <laughs> all right. Well, then, no, that's that's all I've got. I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, it's great to hear your voice, brother. Maybe next time, maybe next week, we'll sit in the same room and do this. I certainly hope so. Okay. Until next time, then, I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. And we're your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. You're so good. You can hide the storm that rages underneath But with each false word You were digging out the ground below your feet And the pain that keeps me up at night Is only partly cause I feel betrayed Know the bigger part Is knowing what it's gonna take for you change but it's not too late 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 the car is packed headed to Bridge, you think you wanna burn? Yeah, you've got plans. Don't need dynamite or matches anymore. And you're driving at a breakneck speed, so you can't see all the caution signs. Say you turn around, the bridge is out. It's not too late, it's not too late, it's not too late, it's not too late.